'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that Saint Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the roof there arose such a clatter I sprung from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutter and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a tiny sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the courses they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and Saint Nicholas too. Then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each tiny little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as wide as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face with a little round belly that shook 
when he, he laughed like a like a like, like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. And I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all his stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose he sprang to his sleigh to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down of a thistle but i heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight <laughs> Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. Luke 2, 1-7 through For the census, the royal family has to travel 85 miles. Joseph walks, while Mary, nine months pregnant, rides side-saddle on a donkey, feeling every jolt, every rut, every rock in the road. By the time they arrive, the small hamlet of Bethlehem is swollen from an influx of travelers. The inn is packed, people feeling lucky if they were able to negotiate even a small space on the floor. Now it is late, everyone is asleep, and there is no room. But fortunately, the innkeeper is not all shekels and mites. True, his stable is crowded with his guests, animals, but if they could squeeze out a little privacy there, they were welcome to it. Joseph looks over at Mary whose attention is concentrated on fighting a contraction. We'll take it, he tells the innkeeper without hesitation. The night is still when Joseph creaks open the stable door. As he does, a chorus of barn animals makes discordant note of the intrusion. 
the stench is pungent and humid, as there have not been enough hours in the day to tend the guests, let alone the livestock. A small oil lamp lent them by the innkeeper flickers to dance shadows on the walls. A disquieting place for a woman in the throes of childbirth. Far from home, far from family, far from what she had expected for her firstborn. But Mary makes no complaint. It is a relief just to finally get off the donkey. She leans back against the wall. Her feet are swollen, back aching, contractions growing stronger and closer together. Joseph's eyes dart around the table. Not a minute to lose. Quickly, a feeding trough would have to make do for a crib. Hay would serve as a mattress. Blankets, blankets, ah, his robe. That would do. And those rags hung out to dry would help. A gripping contraction doubles Mary over and sends him racing for a bucket of water. The birth would not be easy, either for the mother or the child. For every royal privilege for this son ended at conception. A scream from Mary knifes through the calm of that silent night. Joseph returns, breathless, water sloshing from the wooden bucket. The top of the baby's head was already pushing its way into the world. Sweat pours from Mary's contorted face as Joseph, the most unlikely midwife in all Judea, rushes to her side. The involuntary contractions are not enough, and Mary has to push with all her strength, almost as if God were refusing to come into the world without her help. Joseph places a garment beneath her, and with a final push and long sigh, her labor is over. The Messiah has arrived. Elongated head from the constricting journey through the birth canal, light skin as the pigment would take days or even weeks to surface, mucus in his ears and nostrils, wet and slippery from the amniotic fluid, the son of the Most High God, umbilically tied to a lowly Jewish girl. The baby chokes and coughs. Joseph instinctively turns him over and clears his throat. Then he cries. Mary bares her breast and reaches for the shivering baby. She lays him on her chest and his helpless cries subside. His tiny head bobs around on the unfamiliar terrain. This will be the first thing the infant learns. Mary can feel his racing heartbeat as he gropes to nurse. Deity nursing from a young maiden's breast. Could anything be more puzzling or more profound? Joseph sits exhausted, silent, full of wonder. The baby finishes and sighs, the divine word reduced to a few unintelligible sounds. Then, 
for the first time. His eyes fix on his mother's. Deity straining to focus. The light of the world squinting. Tears pool in her eyes. She touches his tiny hand and hands that once sculpted mountain ranges cling to her finger. She looks up at Joseph and through a watery veil, their souls touch. He crowds closer, cheek to cheek with his betrothed. Today they stare in awe at the baby Jesus, whose heavy eyelids begin to close. It has been a long journey king is tired. And so, with barely a ripple of notice, God stepped into the warm lake of humanity, without protocol and without pretension. Where you would have expected angels, there were only flies. Where you would have expected heads of state, there were only donkeys a few haltered cows, a nervous ball of sheep, a tethered camel, and a furtive scurry of curious barn mice. Except for Joseph, there was no one to share Mary's pain or her joy. Yes, there were angels announcing the Savior's arrival, but only to a band of blue-collared shepherds. And yes, a magnificent star shone in the sky to mark his birthplace, but only three foreigners bothered to look up and follow it. Thus, in the little town of Bethlehem, that one silent night, the royal birth of God's son tiptoed quietly by as the world slept. Dear Jesus, though there was no room for you in the inn, grant this day that I might make abundant room for you in my heart. Though your own did not receive you, grant this hour that I may embrace you with open arms. Though Bethlehem overlooked you in the shuffle of the census, grant me the grace, this quiet moment, to be still and know that you are God. You, whose only palace was a stable, whose only throne was a feeding trough, whose only robes were swaddling cloths, on my knees, I confess that I am too conditioned to this world's pomp and pageantry to recognize God cooing in a manger. Forgive me, please, and help me understand at least some of what your birth has to teach. That divine power is not mediated through strength but through weakness. That true greatness is not achieved through the assertion of rights, but through their release. And that even the most secular of things can be sacred 
when you are in the midst. And for those times when you yearn for my fellowship and stand at the door and knock, grant me a special sensitivity to the sound of that knock so I may be quick to my feet. Keep me from letting you stand out in the cold or from even sending you away to some stable. May my heart be warm and inviting so that when you do knock, a worthy place will always be waiting. Merry Christmas. Christmas.